Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another podcast episode where we help aspiring developers get jobs and junior developers grow. We are going to do another podcast episode where we bring someone on from a coding boot camp. Um, actually, I talked to TJ earlier, maybe about a week ago. We kind of just had a short chat about the coding boot camp industry and some things we could talk about with the learning fuse. But one thing that I noticed, and I'm going to link a card um, if you're on the YouTube video, we did a review for learning fuse and we had three graduates on. They talked about their experience. But one thing that I noticed was that learning fuse had this um, this sense of community. Like that was one positive thing that kind of all three graduates shared is they felt like they were very included. They felt like Learning Fuse cared about them. And so I kind of feel like Learning Fuse is strong in that sense. And I want to pick TJ's brain to figure out why that is. So welcome, TJ. How are you doing? Thanks, Don. Doing good. You know, definitely excited to uh, kind of continue the chat that we had and got going on, uh, you know, last week. And you know, having seen, of course, your videos and the, the questions that your community asks, I think there's so much interest and so much excitement about boot camps. Now, how can we best help them feel more comfortable with their decisions, have a more successful experience and, um, you know, really continue to, to grow in the tech space? I love it. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into this. So if you want to start out, um, just go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, so I uh, didn't study computer science in college. I did take one class. It didn't go well because the teacher decided that she wanted to put the code up on a um, projector screen. So granted, this was back in 2009. Now I'm aging myself, but uh, she put it up on a projector screen and would actually just walk through the code without actually showing you kind of what it did. And me and my roommate would go home. We would highlight, literally, she would say, here, print out the sheets of paper, find the bugs. And we're like, this just doesn't seem right for like learning how to write code and build software. Um, so unfortunately, I decided to kind of go down a different route and um, originally studied marketing and finance. But something that's always been in my blood and, you know, nobody really you know, nobody really chooses or thinks early on in life that they're going to get into career coaching and the job search process and stuff. But my dad was around tech. He built a staffing recruiting company back in the dot-com days. So he's got some really cool stories that we used to share. And so I started out doing that uh, out of school, worked for uh, the third largest tech staffing company in the US, uh, actually got a chance to open up their first international office in Toronto, which was super, super cool. Uh, Toronto is like a cleaner friendlier, less crowded New York. And I still love New York, but I, you know, once things open back up, I, I highly suggest people get a, a, a chance to visit there. Um, and that was actually where I was first introduced to coding boot camps, uh, where I was working on a client project and they needed 50 entry-level developers. And it's hard to find 50 recent computer science graduates, let alone in, you know, the fourth largest city in North America. And so I started to see these people come through who had gone to a boot camp. And I'm like, what is this thing? Uh, turns out they have some really cool projects. They were like actually showing stuff off, whereas I could barely get the computer science graduates to do that on their resumes or even when asking them for examples. So uh, fast forward a little bit, I decided, you know what? I, I love tech, but I just don't see myself you know, on the recruiting side because it is a very sales-driven role. 
And I loved getting to know the candidates. Like I would spend 45 minutes on the phone with a agile, you know, architect. And, you know, these guys are building entire processes and teams for companies. So I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. My managers didn't like that because they want you on the phone for about eight to 10 minutes. So decided to actually come to a coding bootcamp myself back in 2017 and was doing some research um, and found Learning Fuse and saw that they had had both a team that, you know, had experience as professional developers. They, you know, really when I came in and essentially went to the info session, I was like, wow, this, you know, you see people smiling at each other. There's people hanging out late. This is cool. So I learned how to, you know, went through the boot camp, had an absolute blast. Um, you know, of course, spent many nights up until one or two a.m. And you know, you're just trying to fix that little alignment or something, or get that bug to work. Where it turns out it was a misspelled variable. And then after graduating, they had um, offered me an opportunity to come on as essentially their first full-time uh, career coach. And thinking about what I had done previously with the job search, now learning how to code, I was like, wait, this is the best of both worlds. So it started out as that, uh, eventually moved into the admission side because most people who are coming through a bootcamp are looking to get into a, a career. So what I do is I take the feedback from the employers, from the alumni, apply some of those questions to the admissions process. Um, and then of course, because we're getting so much feedback from employers and the community, we then take that to the curriculum. So that's where this title of like program manager comes in. But at the end of the day, I'm you know, one of those unique people who actually enjoys the job search process. And I think, you know, you do as well, which, you know, we see an article about LinkedIn, you know, messaging or, or res best formats for resumes. And you're like, okay, I'm going to grab some tea and sit down and, you know, dive in. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's kind of a, a unique thing to be interested in. But when you find that's interesting, when you find that, um, you know, your experience and history of kind of just career success and coding. It's really interesting that you found that that niche with coding specifically. Um, but, you know, my question really is like, what about, so you, you went through the program, right? Yeah. You graduated and they, they offered you that position, but what about learning few specifically kind of made them unique, made you want to, you know, have a full-time position here and help students here? Yeah. So one of the things that I enjoyed most about recruiting beforehand was we would help people find jobs and then we would get thank you letters. We would get calls. People were like, oh, my God, my life has changed. But then on the other hand, you also work with people who you pick up the phone to talk to them. They're, they don't have time to talk to you. The client, you know, these things that you're kind of, you know, having to manage and babysit where I would say about 30 percent of the people I was working with were super appreciative and were it really helped change their life. And so that's where like the Cody Bootcamp thing for me seemed like this, you know, like you said, this this sweet spot in this niche of being around tech, helping people find jobs. And then, you know, as you know, and as you talk to, I mean, one, you know, the classmates that you have, the students that you interview afterwards, there's so many amazing success stories where people are like, I never thought it was possible for me to make this kind of money or for me to enjoy this kind of lifestyle. And so one, there's that side of the coin Two, it's tech. Tech is, I mean, there's no question about it. It's not going anywhere. Um, and then I do think that there's this unique aspect of the job search that a lot of people miss out on, which are the tips and tricks that can make it successful that aren't just the traditional, 
there's resume, you know, you see an Indeed job posting, you see a ZipRecruiter, you apply, and then you essentially don't hear anything. You get ghosted. So there's ways to make it a little bit more fun. But unfortunately, what most people kind of default to is, okay, I have to apply. Oh, I have to write a cover letter. When, you know, there's, there's LinkedIn, there's, they could be posting videos online about a, a project that they just walked through. Um, so that was cool with the, I think the bootcamp space in general is there's a lot of programs out there and opportunities for people to kind of change their lives. Now, what I think really pulled me into, you know, learning views is they haven't taken any outside investment. So there's nobody, you know, that's knocking on the doors to say, Hey, why don't you have more students? Hey, why don't you guys push people through a little bit quicker or raise the price? The focus has always been on the student experience. And on the one hand, it's tough because it requires us to do a little bit more work. It, you know, it, it makes it so like if somebody's struggling, we're setting up one-on-one tutoring for them. It's not the, and unfortunately this doesn't happen all the time, but you see it online, which is somebody goes to a boot camp and they feel like they're just part of this machine and they're a number that's kind of going through. And, you know, and then of course there's the job search and I can't get a hold of so-and-so or my instructor's no longer at the program. Who do I get in touch with? So it just, there's just such a, like, it, it's, I like to think of it kind of like in and out burger, like in and out burger, five guys, shake check. They make some good, good stuff because they just put a little bit more effort and focus into it. Like McDonald's is still good, but you know, you go to one McDonald's to another McDonald's, you're getting a different meal each time. Whereas you go to like one of these other burger joints and you are getting some pretty high quality stuff because you know, they put a little bit more focus into it. Okay. All right. That's fair. Did I hear that correctly? So learning fuse doesn't take outside investments. No. So it is been, uh, yeah. So the, the original founders who started the program back in 2013, um, you know, early on in the boot camp, you know, world, I mean, that 2011 was when general assembly first started and, you know, we were the first boot camp down in Orange County. Um, so early on, you know, there was definitely a little bit of like figuring it out kind of stuff. Luckily we had some really good employer partners and, you know, as you know, and as you've seen, I mean, this space just continues to grow. So with the right team and the right, you know, leadership, you can still grow and help, but you don't need to go out and say, okay, let's take $10 million in investment and let's find 10 more campuses because the whole, you know, I love Silicon Valley. I think there's some really cool stuff that's come out of there, but the whole grow fast, figure it out later. It's just, I don't know. It's probably not the best way to do it when you're dealing with people's lives and especially the trust that they're putting into you to say, Hey, I could go to a bootcamp across any, you know, anywhere across the country, but I trust that you guys are going to teach me and be transparent and support me through this. Um, so, you know, there's been some times, I think, where people have reached out and said, hey, we, we, we love this idea. How do we get involved? But if they don't have the right me- mentality and mindset of student first, well, what happens two years later, three years later, where these investors are knocking on the door and saying, hey, where's my 10x? You know, where's, where's the money that I could have invested in, you know, another startup company or another business that I'm not getting, you know, from you guys? So, I think part of it is, you know, just the, the, the idea that you really need some some very special people to be on that, you know, team of, of if you do bring an investment. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, it's not like there's a shortage of applicants because people want to change their careers. That's just human nature, whether it's, 
you majored in something you don't enjoy. Uh, your life changes. You have to move somewhere else, you know, across the country. And so there's always going to be career changers. So we have this responsibility to them to be transparent and take what they're going through seriously. And then there's always going to be tech jobs too. I mean, there's no question about it. Those are growing like crazy. So you have these amazing, like these two really big, huge demand areas. But I think as the boot camp, it, it becomes your responsibility to be transparent, honest, and supportive as somebody's making this kind of decision. Do you feel like, do you feel like taking investments and owing that explanation to your investors is what tends to taint the experience or even the motivation of the Kodak Bootcamp? I think it can, depending on who those investors are. You know, if they yeah. have a strategic alignment and, you know, investment in both the bootcamp and the success, you know, of the students, then there's a huge amount in room for potential and really offering something special because, you know, there's a, you know, once again, you have this huge group of uh, people who want to change careers. You have tech, which is growing and you have the fact that coding is cool. Like coding is awesome. Data science, I think back in 2012 was named Harvard Business Review, sexiest new job of the 21st century. Like this is something where there's so many great pieces to it. So if you can find the right leadership team, you can find those investors who understand that growth is good, but at the same time, quality should be as important, if not more important, then that's where you've got something really special. And right now we haven't had to go, you know, do that and haven't really, you know, seen that opportunity. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if the right people came along, if maybe it was a company, you know, maybe it was a, a, a college or university who has that, you know, strategic alignment. Um, I just think once again, it really comes down to the responsibility of the program to say, is this in the best interest of the students? Okay. So what I really want to dive into is the strong sense of community that Learning Fuse has. Um, so in fact, kind of what you were just talking about, I'm actually going to touch on that later because I do have some follow-up questions, but really like I, I've reviewed a lot of coding boot camps, obviously. And I've found that you kind of mentioned this idea of everyone kind of feeling like a number. And sometimes there are so many ways that can happen, but you know, one of the most recent stories someone shared with me, you know, the career services got cut off after three months. And so a lot of students were going past that three months. And so, you know, we had talked about, um, some of that previously, but there are tons of reasons why, uh, people can kind of feel excluded, feel like another number. And there are also really good stories from coding boot camps where, you know, a lot of the instructional staff and a lot of the career services actually care about, you know, people changing their life, not just signing up and giving them money. It's actually going through the full change and landing that job. Like they're, they're excited. Like you are, they're excited to see people bettering themselves. Uh, but yeah, that's one thing that kind of shined with the learning fuse. And that's what I want to focus on right now. So what do you feel? What is it about learning fuse that makes them unique in making, all the students feel really included, feel like they're really part of something uh, bigger, a community, feel cared by the staff. What What is it about Learning Fuse? Yeah. So I think what where we should start is what, you know, people are getting themselves into, which is you are going through one of the most challenging experiences of your life to learn how to code, to do it quickly, because 
a boot camp is, is supposed to be hard and quick, like the military, military has shown us. And so if you're doing this, if you're t- essentially taking what most people might do in four years and computer science boot camps, very different, you know, initiatives. But at the end of the day, the goal is to get into, you know, a career and getting your foot in the door with anything is tough, let alone how to write code. So you have this, you know, th- this challenge of learning quickly. You have the challenge of keeping up with, you know, the curriculum. You have then the job search process, which, you know, is one of the, the, the biggest negative feedback loops somebody will experience in their life. And so where learning fuse, you know, that this idea of like community um, really comes in is by providing more support and having a more connected community, it allows people to feel more comfortable kind of taking those chances, taking that risk and really doing the hard work. Because if it was less of a community, if it was more of a, you come in, we're going to see how it works. If it doesn't work, then coding isn't for you. Well, there's a lot of people who maybe a few weeks into it, I mean, imposter syndrome is like, it is so rampant in this industry. It's almost like they need to come up with a new term for it. But (laughs) where people, you know, uh, struggle early on is when they hit that imposter syndrome. And, you know, no matter how many times you tell them, Hey, this is normal. This is normal. You're going to go through it. Everybody goes through it. Here's a CEO who goes through it every single day. Um, So, so hopefully with, with that community aspect, you can help, manage that imposter syndrome a little bit to keep people moving forward because momentum and, and stopping is the worst thing you can do, whether it's coming, when it's learning how to code or whether it's going through your job search. So a few of the things that we really, one of the things that we try to do early on is, is really help people understand if this is going to be the right fit for them. Because once you've started to make the investment, the time, the money, you're making a big commitment. And the last thing you want to do is realize five or six weeks in that it turns out you're not really a developer. Maybe you enjoy tech and maybe design makes more sense for you. But the coding bootcamp should have helped you identify that rather than saying, Don, you, you keep telling me you love development. Let's just get you in here versus like, hey man, how long have you been coding? What have you done? What do you love about it most? Um, one of my favorite questions to ask people is, what are your hesitations about doing a bootcamp? Because hopefully there's a little bit of nervousness. Hopefully you've thought about this to the point where you're excited, but at the same time, you're also cautiously, you know, optimistic. Um, so, you know, a lot of conversations beforehand, whether it's an info session that they've attended, whether it's a workshop of ours, um, we do like meet the staff kind of stuff. Um, we have the prep class that people can take and that's that opportunity to say, do I like coding? Oh, and by the way, do I like learning fuse as well? Because once again, we're not the only people, you know, in this space. And there's a lot of really good boot camps, you know, still out there, even though you do have some who are, I think, more seeing the opportunity of, of the space versus let's, you know, make sure we're doing this right for the students. Um, once people have come into the program, there's a few things that we, you know, really ensure that the instructors understand they need to do, uh, which is they have to be available. So this isn't a, you come in and teach, they're going to lecture. Oh, and then by the way, the rest of your class is led by a fellow or, you know, a TA who just graduated, you know, the, the, the cohort before. Um, so you have these instructors who are available, who truly love, and I know, you know, you hear this over and over again, the teachers love to teach. Um, I mean, we've had people who have gone out, you know, taught, gone, done some, you know, uh, professional work said, you know what, I love coding, but teaching is even more fun. 
Um, and then throughout the program, the teachers are checking in with students, no matter if the student's doing good or if they're struggling. So even someone who's doing good, we're going to reach out and say, hey, Don, how's it going today? Do you need any help with the code? And if they say, nope, I'm good, then cool. We'll check back in, you know, in an hour. Because unfortunately, not no matter how much support you provide, there's still this, this sometimes nervousness that people build up inside their own head of, oh, I don't want to bother so-and-so. Oh, I, this is a dumb question. And, and that's not the case. Like you paid us to teach you how to do something and more importantly, how to answer your questions. Um, because, you know, everything we're teaching, the stuff that most boot camps are teaching, it, it's open source. You know, the, the React developer community is amazing. The documentation is pretty solid and it's only continuing to improve. So you could go the self-taught route, but by trusting us and taking that extra little bit of step, um, you know, we, we feel like we take that really seriously. Um, and then we also apply that to the job search where no matter where you're at, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, if you've got family stuff that's, that's making it tough to submit 25 applications a week, well, let's have a game plan and let's talk about how we can keep you coding because you don't lose those skills. But how do we also maybe get some networking events fit in there? Or how do we maybe make an introduction to a company or two so that you can then help once again, you know, help be around your family, do what you need to do, but then at the same time, continue to keep that momentum going. Because once that momentum stops, once the confidence is lost, once they don't know who to talk to, oh man, that that's when, you know, it, it it's tough. And, you know, we've had a few people who, you know, have, have stopped coding for a while, but then they come back to us three months later and say, Hey, I don't know what to do. And we're like, cool, here's some curriculum. Let's go back through this. You submit it. We're giving you feedback on that. Even though we might be taking a step back to let's say earlier in the program, we're going to make sure that we can get you going again. Cause if you truly care about this, then we're going to make sure it works. That's a, that's a really interesting idea. Momentum. Um, because a, a lot of, people that I mentor, a lot of them are trying to kind of fit it into a busy work schedule. And that's, that's the tricky thing is I don't want you to just cram this in on like one Saturday out of the month. And then, you know, like I want you to consecutively do it. Like, even if it's just like an hour or two for a few days, um, but life happens. And especially when you graduate a coding bootcamp and you don't have that support from the instructors and yeah, you can still reach out to career services. So many people drop that momentum for so many life yeah. events. And it's, it's saddening to see because it like, that's the moment where like they need to continue working on projects and reinforce everything that they're just learning. And, um, you talked about like, it's a very self-defeating cycle going through the job search process and um, to stop even for like a month and then do it again and then get discouraged, stop and then do it again. Like many, many students continue that pattern over and over. And it's just like, it's hurting their confidence. And so you also brought this idea up of, well, imposter syndrome needs to be normalized. And so I think that's like one of the key things I've noticed is people just getting comfortable being uncomfortable like you said the ceo still has imposter syndrome and just like being able to normalize and say oh you know you're not feeling totally 100 percent on this today me neither let's dive into it and like just getting excited about it and just changing the perspective you know women as well oh my gosh we have good days in <laughs> exactly exactly so you know that's really interesting so you know i think 
one question people probably have is you kind of talked about a lot of things that Learning Fuse has and that other coding boot camps offer as well. But like what like how can students figure out that the coding boot camp has a lot of these positive inclusive traits that will make them feel welcome, make them like encourage them to keep that momentum going when they don't really they're not in that coding boot camp yet? Like what what kind of questions can they ask? Yeah. Well, I think one doing, you know, as much research as possible is really important because you have to think about this like a life decision. If you're going to go buy a house, you typically want to visit the houses. You want to make sure you have your finances in order. Like there's all of these things yet in like the, the world that we live in with all of this marketing of change your life in six months, get this hundred K job, which I mean, gosh, if you see a, a you know, a, a marketing, you know, an ad that says get a 100K job, hopefully you take a step back and say, really? Because that, that almost seems too good to be true. And then, of course, there's a full wait, there's more. So you want to do a pretty good amount of research, you know, and as much as possible. And obviously, you know, starting with a channel like yours is a great spot because I think the biggest value and the thing that people overlook sometimes is the conversations with alumni. Because the boot camp is going to tell you what they want you to hear, which is we are going to help you find a job. And they do, because if boot camps didn't, then they would be out of business. And some of them have been shut down. And in California, we have to report to BPPE. And BPPE looks at these things. And once again, in the past, they've heard about boot camps with the whole job search guarantee, which or actually, sorry, this one was advertising 100% jobs guaranteed in three months. And then they did an investigation, boom, not, you know, not allowed. So you want to talk to the alumni because the alumni were people who were in your shoes. They saw the marketing. They looked at course report and switch up and career karma. And they read Reddit, you know, uh, links and they were on LinkedIn. But talking to other people can feel a little bit weird at first until you realize that just about anybody on LinkedIn you know, just about all of these students, you know, who you might be reaching out to, the majority of them are actually willing to talk to you. And, and so we have to, you know, it's this, once again, this mentality and this, this trick that we play on ourselves, which is, oh, I don't want to reach out to someone. But if you reach out to, let's say, five alumni and ask them about their experiences, you're going to get likely five different, slightly different experiences. But you're also going to hear things that either are going to resonate with you and get you more excited about where you're going or make you take a step back and say, you know what, maybe I should look at some other programs or even other you know, alternatives. So alumni, I think, are the best place to go. Um, definitely go to the school. You know, Go to an info session, an open house, whatever the program is calling it. Hear from them. You know, Talk to their people. Make sure that what they're telling you, let's say, in the advertising on their website, aligns with what they're telling you in person. And then also make sure you have a good feeling about those people because, I mean, you know, we, we have spidey senses and our intuition is usually decently right. And if you have a weird feeling about a program before you've even started, that's only going to compound. Maybe there's a chance that it was just a one-off kind of thing, but more often than not, you're, you're on to something. And so maybe you do a little bit more, you know, research there. Um, you know, promises are always a dangerous, you know, slope. So one of the things we always tell people is we can't guarantee a job because at the end of the day, you still have to go and apply and interview and do all of this work, but we're going to support you and we're going to be there every step of the way. 
And that's a commitment we can guarantee we're going to have is if you reach out, we're going to answer your questions. If you need to set up a meeting, we're going to set up a meeting. Um, so I think those are the, a few of the things you can do early on. And then on the other side of the coin is the stuff that you have to plan into your own day and schedule to make sure that you're going to have a successful experience. So by looking at programs, it's great that you're doing the, the, the research. It's great that you're talking to students. It's great that you, let's say, found that place that you, you've whittled down your list from 10 to, to one or two. And you're like, I feel really good about this. But you still need to make sure that your day-to-day is, isn't going to come and you know, jump into the way. You're not trying to balance too much. You, know, you want to make sure you have enough time to code, but then also after the program ends to go through a job search. Um, I mean, gosh, the fact that you mentioned a program stops giving career services after three months kills me because three months is a short job search. In 2019, statistically, this is across all industries, the average job search was, I believe, six months. So you're talking about something where no matter what industry you're in, it's going to be about six months, yet there's a place who's saying, by the way, three months in, it might work, it might not, but hey, you could be on your own. So you have this difficult you know, challenge ahead of you. So you want to almost over-prepare because when things go wrong, you want to make sure that you have like a, a, you know, a, a plan for it. One of my favorite stories is... Um, Michael Phelps. I think most people know who Michael Phelps is. Obviously, you know, one of the greatest swimmers of all time. And one of the things he attributes his success in the pool to is the fact that he visualizes thousands of different scenarios with the race so that if something goes wrong, he knows what to do instead of having to adjust on the fly. So I know it's tough to do, but if you can dive in, do the research, talk to people, um, look at multiple programs, and, and then you know, almost like take a step back, say, is this right? And then come back to it and say, okay, cool. You know, I feel like I have a, I've got a good, you know, plan in place. I've got a good program, you know, that, that I've found. Uh, so hopefully that answered the question. I know I went on a little bit there. That's okay. You actually, uh, one of my other questions was, you know, like how to make the most of your time. Um, and we could dive into that a little bit as well, but, you know, like you said, um, the best thing I, I really, first of all, I'm just going to talk about the alumni. I remember graduating. I was super excited to be on the alumni panel because and especially when I got a job, I was really proud of myself. I was excited for students. I knew they were going to be proud. And I think a lot of alumni like doing that. Um, Sometimes people get nervous, but overall, like even if you just reach out on LinkedIn, most people, like if they had a good experience, they want to talk about it. So that's a tricky thing, though. And one thing I've noticed is people that had a bad experience, when I try to invite them onto the podcast, um, they don't want to go on. They don't want their face shown. And so, you know, it doesn't work out because it needs to be a conversation. But, you know, I I try to encourage, um, I try to encourage everyone to share their stories so everyone can be informed. But a lot of people that had bad experiences don't share them. And I think they're just, I, I think a lot of people think like they're talking badly about the coding bootcamp in any way will hurt the coding bootcamp. And like, you could talk about it in a way in which like you realize every coding bootcamp can improve in some way. And so you could, even if you had a bad experience, like people that have come onto my podcast, um, the great things that, like the best thing that you can do is also talk about the positives. Like if you had a bad experience, there are at least a few positives. There's an instructor maybe you connected with. And so I I guess this is just my message to people. Like 
feel free to share your story. It doesn't have to be all bad. Um, you can have emotion, you know, linked with that story. But, um, you know, like you said, TJ, it, it helps to get as much information as you can, even if you're scouring Reddit for people sharing their stories that they were too shy to share, you know, maybe on a LinkedIn post or um, something like that. So I believe, you know, as much information as you can get, that's great. But you even you think about like, it's not just about the experiences. Like, what if an alumni kind of shares? Well, you know, we learned technically all the technologies we that made us marketable, but, you know, we really struggled with the fundamentals afterwards. And so, you know, maybe that just tells you, okay, this coding bootcamp is, you know, $6,000 cheaper. It's a little bit shorter. And the best thing that you can do is prepare and just like spend two months before learning the JavaScript fundamentals. And there are tons of great free resources to do that. So now you go into this coding bootcamp, you save money and you're going to excel with that program and be completely fine coming out of it. So it's just like as much information as you can gather will help you prepare so well. Yeah, so absolutely. And I think you, you, you hit it like such a great point there. And this is just confirmation bias. Like, as humans, we don't like to admit when we were wrong. So if you went to a bad boot camp, are you going to go out and, and, and complain about it? Like, you know, are you going to say, hey, I made a mistake and I should have done more research beforehand. I should have asked them for the outcomes. I should have been a little skeptical by the fact that it was the cheapest one, you know, around or it had this, you know, job guarantee kind of thing. So, it, yes, I mean, the. the you look at like online reviews and stuff and people forget that, you know, when you look at the average bootcamp review, I think it's like 4.4, which is crazy because 4.4 out of five would, you know, that's a 90%. So, I mean, all of a sudden, where, where do those threes and those fours go? But it's the same thing with Yelp and restaurants, you know, people either write a review when they loved it and they're like five stars, but this could have been improved upon. You're reading the review and you're like, so that's like a four-star review. This isn't a five-star <laughs> review. And then you have the people on the other side who write a one-star review and they're like, best food I've had in a long time. Oh, my server was late with our waters. And you're like, wait, one star. This sounds more like a three or a four. So yeah, you have to like get into those details a little bit. Um, it's going to be tough because there's a lot of, you know, information out there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um it I think you brought up a really good point of see what it is that I guess the boot camp does well because there's so many different styles too. I mean, you've got the original length I think was 12 weeks. You've now got programs that are 6 months long. You've got programs that are self-paced. You've got programs that are full-time. You've got programs that are, you know, call themselves part-time but it's really, you know, 1 hour, maybe 2 hours a week. So there's this really like amazing opportunity for just about anybody you know, cause what fits your lifestyle is one of the most important factors. Um, but you also have to be realistic with if there was one perfect system and bootcamp out there, then they would dominate the market. But that's not the case because some places do better with, let's say diving farther into data structures and algorithms. Cause they put a huge emphasis on that. Whereas, you know, we find that the fundamentals of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which aren't going away anytime soon, are really where we want to spend a lot of time because you can continue to get back to that momentum. The momentum, once you're in the market, once you're working, oh my God, I mean, you know, how much have you learned over the past like two, three years after the boot camp versus what you learned in that short period of time? So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, 
it's exciting on the one hand, but at, on the other side, and you, you talk to these people and I have people from other boot camps reach out all the time and say, I need help. Something happened, whether it was the, I can't get a hold of somebody. They didn't cover this in the boot camp. I was told one thing, it ended up being something else. So ideally we, we as an industry can get to a point where there's less of the people left behind. And yes, we're helping a huge amount of people, but we've got to drop that number down because we can't fall into the trap of what colleges and universities did, which is, oh, we're focused on graduation rates. Well, that's cool, but getting a job is even better. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing to point out with colleges. I like it. So, you know, you and I have kind of talked about, especially with the in-person, we really enjoy the in-person experiences. They, they It's just completely different with remote, but with the remote programs, um, especially during the pandemic, a lot of challenges came and a lot of coding boot camps struggled to make that transition, especially ones that didn't initially offer that remote option. So they, they really didn't know how to go about it. So I hear a lot of kind of horror stories about that transition, but what, what do you personally feel like um, makes a strong remote program? What do you feel like, and more importantly, like what kind of questions should students ask the coding bootcamp to make sure that's going to be uh, a strong experience? And, and like, you know, with the focus on, they still feel like they're part of the community and that the staff cares about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were in a really unique space before, um, you know, COVID came and changed everything, which was we had built our program around in-person. And of course, in-person, you know, makes it so much easier to connect with people. You go from class to lunch and at lunch, you're still having, you know, conversations about coding. You're looking to your right and looking to your left and seeing people struggling, you know, around you. And we also had part-time classes that people could take remotely if they wanted to. So when everything switched and, and we had to go and, and go to these virtual classrooms, um, the first thing that we did was we made sure that we had extra instructors, you know, available because really where you hear the, the, the horror stories is when people weren't supported. They didn't know who to ask. They asked a question and it took two days, you know, to get a response. Um, the instructor seemed disengaged, you know, during it, or they send them, you know, links to stuff instead of actually understanding what the question is that the student has. So when we first started it, we actually added uh, a few. So we have our lead instructors and then we added a few TAs into the classroom. The lead instructors were still teaching, but the TAs were there to answer questions when somebody had like a bug that that was going. But when it's a new concept, you got to have the professional, you know, who's teaching it. So we had a few extra people to support. Um, we made sure that the, the TA after hours stayed open. So, you know, after class, look, so we've got 10 to six is class time. And then afterwards, for two and a half hours, you can ask questions. You can continue to get help so that you aren't on your own for, let's say, four or five hours at night trying to work through homework, which, as we've already covered, this is all tough stuff to learn, you know, early on. Um, so we did that. We then made it uh, and we, we added a process to our team and our instructors where they're, they're supposed to check in every hour. So instead of waiting for a student to then reach out and say, hey, I need help, which once again, people either have their own kind of confidence, you know, bias where they want to tackle things on their own. That's great. We love problem solvers. We love people that want to tackle that stuff. But you also have a limited amount of time to learn. So try it, 
but then reach out and get some help so that you can get back on, you know, the, the track and, and racing again, essentially. Um, so you've got, you know, the, the, the check-ins that are continuing to happen. Um, and from a question standpoint for people who are looking at programs, I think one of the best ones you can ask, and, and I get this really, really often in the admissions process is what happens if I'm struggling and, or, or, or can I get kicked out? And Unfortunately, I do know that there's some programs out there that are very strict about you have to keep up, you have to pass the tests. If not, then this isn't for you. We don't want to do that. We don't want to make people feel this pressure of if I'm not perfect, if I miss something up, then I'm not going to get the help from the team. Part of being a great developer and just continuing this in your career is taking those risks. So you have to feel comfortable taking the risk. So for example, if I'm struggling, if I try something and it doesn't go right, how are you guys going to help me? And from our standpoint, there's a couple of things that we'd rather do. You know, we want to try to tackle early on rather than just saying, here's how it's fixed. Because sometimes it is something that students need to like, you just need to keep moving because it's a concept you're going to understand three to four weeks from now. But other times you need to sit down one-on-one and understand where they're coming from. So we have tutoring available. Um, we have uh, the off the after hours, as I mentioned, um, and then we have the option for people who are really, really struggling with the fundamentals to retake the first half of the class at no cost. And this is because when you get into what I like to think of are the sexy languages, React, Node, Postgres, you know, you're, you're getting into this full stack development stuff. It's fun. But if you don't understand the core fundamentals of JavaScript, then, yeah, you're going to write React code, but you don't know what's going on under the hood. And then comes the job search process where they're going to ask you a variety of questions. Some of them are super basic. Some of them are super high-end data structures and algorithm stuff. But if you can't answer the basic stuff, they're not going to give you the coding challenge. They're not going to get you to that next uh, you know, piece. So asking kind of how it is that the team's going to support you, um, how long have teachers been teaching? Because part of being a good teacher is, isn't just, I can write code. It's Here's my approach to teaching. Here's why I teach. Um, and then even past examples. So what has happened when students have fallen behind? What could they have done differently? What could you guys have done differently? Um, because as you know, you, you mentioned earlier, there's no perfect boot camp. Every boot camp has their pros and their cons. And part of it is because of the fact that we're trying to fit a lot of this stuff into a short amount of time. So there's things that you can teach. There's things that unfortunately there's just not enough time to get to. So you need to, once again, create that momentum and that ability to learn that confidence that as students head off into their career, they know what to do next. They know who to ask when they need to. Um, so I think those are the, a few of the things, uh, you know, for remote students, uh, is there any outside um, community building events? So one of the things that we do is, on Saturdays, we'll have like, we have a program coordinator who does this thing called tea time with Cass and she'll do, sometimes they'll hop into a zoom on a Saturday and they'll watch a movie together. Sometimes they'll play Jackbox games. Sometimes they'll play, you know, uh, um, uh, yeah, super smash brothers. And it's just this cool opportunity to connect with other people in your class because at home. And as we've all experienced throughout COVID, it can get really tough and lonely. And when you're coding and you think you're the only person struggling with something, it gets even worse. So when you can hop into these Zooms, when you can, you know, you know, you have an off-topic channel, let's say in, in the Discord or the Slack. So 
this channel's for, for coding stuff. This channel's for you to share your favorite songs or a meme that you just found. Um, because by having that community aspect, you make people feel more comfortable to reach out when they're really in a vulnerable position. And while we don't want anybody to get there, it, it's life. You know, things are going to come up and sometimes it has nothing to do with code, but we hope that we're the program that you feel comfortable saying, hey, I have a lot of family stuff going on. I can't go through the job search process right now. And we're going to say, no problem. Family comes first. What can we do in the meantime? Or circle back around with us. Let us know when you're ready to get back into this because we're going to bring you right back into it because that's what you paid for. You paid for our support. Um, so there's a few little things. Um, it is, you know, I don't know if anybody was listening from other boot camps, but it is a little bit of extra work. You do need to have that person on your team and those people on their team who aren't there just to teach, but they're there to spend some extra time with the students and get to know them. Um, and uh, it just, it, it seems to make, you know, all the difference as, as you know, you even saw when you're talking to our alumni, I mean, they, those guys have had some really interesting experiences as they went through their job search, but all of them continue to come back, whether it's their second, their third job. Um, some people just show up for demo days and alumni panel events because they want to say hi to classmates. So uh, it's, that's probably my favorite part is when people come back, you know, and shoot me a Slack message two years later, three years later and say, Hey, I just got this job. And I'm like, are you, I think you're kind of bragging right now, but congrats. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So you had talked about this um, like program coordinator and you had sent a message to other coding boot camps that, you know, it is a little bit more difficult to, to coordinate some of this. And, you know, you could just, um, one thing we did was uh, we just nominated someone that was extremely social in our group in our cohort. And she just took the reins and she was awesome with it. I mean, like you're always going to get like that one student that, that has that initiative. Um, have you ever, so when you say like program coordinator, was that someone that was like actually on your staff or was that someone that, you know, okay. They were on your oh, staff. Yeah. She, she's my right hand. She okay. does. Um, some of the resume, you know, workshops with the students too. So she works with them a lot through that. But um, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Like if you have somebody in the class who can help add that component, um, it really only, you know, it, it just, you know, makes that experience so much better. And one of the questions I like to ask in the interview process is what does conscientiousness mean to you? And the reason that I ask it is because, it's great that people are aware of their own strengths and weaknesses because you have to be. I mean, if, if you're going to be a good employee, heck, the question comes up. What is a weakness that you're working on? What's a strength that you have? Um, so that's good to know that you have your own. But are you also aware of how other people are doing? Do you know that when you come into a classroom or you hop onto Zoom, you could be having the best day ever, but somebody might hop in and just not have the energy that day. Maybe they lost, you know, a, a pet at home and, you know, they're just, they aren't ready to dive in and, 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 you know, just, you know, once again, like be their bubbly personality that they normally are. Um, so the reason I ask the students is I say the most successful classes that we have had from both the experience standpoint in the program and the job search have been the ones that start to connect with each other. The ones that, I mean, we've, we've got one student right now who's starting a hiking group, uh, you know, in, in the area around here. Um, you know, they're taking it slow with COVID and everything. They still got masks on and stuff. But it's like these little things where I, I'll see, you know, a class that'll say, hey, we're going to go grab Korean barbecue. You know, who wants to join? Um, 
here's here's a LinkedIn post I just put up recently. Can I get some support, you know, for it? And when you start to do that together, you also feel that not only now do you have the boot camp that is on your side, but you have your classmates too. Because yes, you are kind of competing for the same jobs, but there's also a ton out there. So, you know, if I can get done with an interview and say, hey, class, I just struggled through this interview and here's the question that I got, um, be, be careful of this kind of stuff. Man, you're just helping all of your classmates with it. Um, and you, you hear it a lot with the, the, the job search space. So, you know, one of the things that I think some students struggle with is they don't feel the sense of community in the job search. So what we do is we do weekly webinars, which are, it's not you reaching out, it's we're going to do this every week. And oh, by the way, do we need to set up more of those? Do you guys need additional help with stuff? Because one-on-one can be tough for people to feel comfortable reaching out about. But when you hear that one of your classmates is losing energy from submitting applications all day, okay, cool, that's normal. Here's what we can do instead. How about we try this? You do this and then get back to the applications a little bit later because you still need to do those, but don't burn yourself out just doing all that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I like, so it almost sounds like, um, you really put an emphasis on a lot of these like off topic things. And you really point to the fact that like, get more involved with your cohort, like have those off, off base conversations and kind of get to know them a little bit. Cause you talked about this idea of like, even though you're competing with jobs and I'll share this, I found that, um, with cohorts, you know, people that typically had this mindset that like just like giving tips to the other people and like helping each other out. We're all in this together. They tended to get jobs faster because of their personalities or those kind of personalities are uh, what companies want to bring in. They want to like, you can call it a team player, but ultimately it's just like a positive perspective that you have on life that teams love. And so I found that, you know, yeah, you are kind of competing for the same jobs, but, you know, start early when you first get into the Koenig camp. Sometimes it, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit, but like reach out and say like, maybe, maybe they design this little module in a way, like they put a little extra spice on it. You're like, that is really cool. Just Tell them that, like share that, like just little things to reach out. But that's really cool that, um, and I completely agree, like coding boot camps, even if they like nominate someone from the students or the staff, but like have that Saturday event, start early, get everyone connected more at a personal level. Um, I found that that has exponentially increased the experience and just made it so much better. They felt so much more confident going into the job search, just having that support, especially with us all separated all lonely, all remote. It's so powerful. Um, so yeah, I love those events. We talked about, I'm actually, this just quick question to you. We talked about, do you think among us is a good team building game or not? (laughs) Oh my God. That's one of the, that's one of the favorite, like the, 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 the student favorites to play. And I think it's both because of the fact that it is slightly team building but at the same time, you get to like let your inner demon kind of come out a little bit. So it's like I get to be the bad guy in a movie. Like, you know, you watch these movies and you're, you're kind of like, I don't like Bane, but I kind of like Bane. And so you get to be a little bit of the bad guy. But of course, at the end, it's in this like fun, you know, kind of setting and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Among Us is a, is a good one. <laughs> OK, consider Among Us for your cohort. Um, OK, cool. I, I was just curious. So. 
one thing I kind of want to touch on, like, I think you did a good job talking about, um, you know, things, very specific things coding boot camps can do to, especially while everyone's remote, to make everyone feel included and supported, more importantly. Um, I thought that was all good advice. He gave suggestions for questions, and that was kind of the main thing that I really want to know. I think it's going to be valuable. But you also mentioned this idea of, you know, like, Overall, the coding bootcamp is a very positive um, experience. It, it like the objective of the industry as a whole is very positive. And you know, when you do become a software engineer, it's a different lifestyle. It's you know, it's it's typically an upgrade. And especially if you like coding, it can be a very rewarding career to transition into. But you also have these aspects of the coding bootcamp industry. And I I talked to you about it a little bit before the podcast. Like, you know, coding bootcamp industry is like they're struggling to get that. Um, that confirmation, that standardization that traditional educational systems get. And a lot of coding boot camps are, are focused on so much of the right thing. But you also have coding boot camps that might be a little bit more profit hungry, that might have different intentions behind starting the business. And, you know, like you said, you know, these Silicon Valley companies, um, especially when they get a lot of investment, might be focused on growth and paying back those investors. And that changes things, whether, you know, you can have the most passionate instructors ever, but um, things like that do, they can change a company. But more importantly, and I'll get to my point, you had mentioned the idea, uh, we started talking about like ISA contracts and job guarantees and, you know, who are they right for, like what to look out for. So let's dive into ISAs and job guarantees. Um, you want to share kind of some of your opinions around that and what to look for? Yeah. So I think I will start with, you know, ISAs. Um I think ISAs do offer a lot of, of opportunity for people who may not have the best credit score. They can't go through, you know, one of the lending partners like Ascent, you know, and, and these these programs still provide great financial, you know, kind of tools, whether it's deferred payment, you know, if you're going through, a, but it's still a loan. Um, you know, obviously the, 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 the price tag of a boot camp in general, and one of the, the biggest criticisms of boot camps has been the fact that they are somewhat expensive, but you know, it's, it's expensive when you look at it as just a check versus over the course of what you may get out of a four-year degree or what you may have to try to do. Like, I mean, God, you know, MBA programs, that's a whole nother ball game of, you know, expense levels. So you have like there what started out as okay yes we want to help people has now opened up to okay how do we help more and more people and isas on the surface create a great opportunity for a lot of people but what you need to look through and and you need to understand is of course what you are signing up for and what is included in that isa because when people sign up for things too quickly, when they see an advertisement, they call up a boot camp, they sign up for the next week, they may not know if they're loving to code. They may not have looked at the fine print. Um, so what you want to make sure is that you've thought about, okay, what am I, once again, signing up for? And then when I'm going through the program, is there anything that could cause this ISA to turn from a value add and a pro of my experience to could something go wrong? And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people think about those what could go wrong things because what you see once again is jobs in the coding bootcamp space, salaries, success stories of, you know, let's say the army vet or the, you know, single parent or, you know, the, the, the person who didn't graduate and finish college. And so 
there it's, it's it, anybody can do it, but it, you need to do it right. And so when we talk to students about, you know, the ISA, you know, opportunity and, and kind of why they're looking at that route, they have to understand that an ISA doesn't guarantee a job. It doesn't mean that the boot camp, you know, is is a hundred percent invested in your success because they're taking on the risk. Part of what is in that ISA contract is likely the fact that if you start the program, let's say you're six weeks in, eight weeks in, and all of a sudden you get sick or, you know, you realize once again, I hate, this is always a tough one and we, we've been able to avoid it. But uh, back when I actually first started, we had somebody do this in week three, they said, I don't think I, I like JavaScript. I'm more of a designer. And we're like, shoot, you had the prep class and all this stuff. So if you learned later on that you don't like to code and you decide to leave the boot camp, there's still some tuition that you owe the program. So it's not about, you know, did, are you guaranteed a job in tech? Um, you know, you could end up with a job that pays $50,000 non-tech because you have bills at home. And now you're having to start to pay that tuition again. So an ISA is great, but the person still needs to be right for a boot camp as a whole. They still need to love to code. They still need to have thought about what challenges could come up in the job search process. Um, because when you haven't, that's when you hear these, these horror stories of people who went through an ISA and then have to take a job later on. And all of a sudden their ISA is now void or what they thought they were getting themselves into, you know, isn't there. And what's tough about that is once you start to work, like to spend less time job searching, less time coding, getting into the industry becomes harder and harder and harder. Um, so I think that there's a, a ton of opportunity with, you know, ISAs. I think it opens up a huge market of, you know, the, the potential to get into tech for a lot of people um, where I think there's still room for improvement. And I, I think one, the responsibility comes down to the boot camp. The boot camp needs to be honest with people about this is right for you. This maybe you need to spend a few more months doing this because you, you like code now, but do you really love it? Um, and then, of course, there is the ISAs, which are still young. So I think there's, there's a lot of room for, OK, we can find ways to better align the success of the student and you know the ISA itself. Um, the state of California is, is trying to do that by by actually limiting ISAs to um, a, a set number. So instead of being anywhere from, let's say you could pay back twenty five thousand or you pay back thirty five thousand they're locking it in as 1.5 times um, the, the, the tuition. So long answer, I think that there's, uh, or I guess TLDR, um, take a look at it, but make sure that you understand what you're signing up for, because on the surface, it can look really, really good. Um, you just have to make sure you've thought about all of those little factors that could go into it. That's really good advice. And I, I, I just like the mindset of, because first of all, not all coding boot camps, whether they're, it's not like they're not trying to be transparent and trick people, but I, I, sometimes I don't think they account for like those situations where you do get seriously sick and you are locked into a tuition or, you know, sometimes you get coding boot camps that will offer these ISAs. Like the ISA model is good in a sense where it does allow accessible um, education to people that just can't get in just yet. And like it, it does make the industry more accessible, but you know, you mentioned, well, the coding boot camp, it's their responsibility to 
kind of do that screening initially and make sure the student like doesn't just kind of like code. It's interesting. They love code because you're locking into uh, typically with ISAs, you're locking into a pretty big contract and you're, you're going to owe quite a bit of money. And, um, you know, some people I've even talked to some people that haven't really thought out their life situation. Like they've thought out, okay, it's going to take me three months of a coding boot camp and maybe three to six months to plan a job. But they like, they really haven't taken serious consideration into, okay, you know, if it does take past that three months to get a job, do you have the savings to support yourself? Um, do you, you know, like sometimes you don't even think about it, but like one person, they, um, their family was sick and, you know, it kind of got to, it, it was about to get worse kind of when they were graduating. You don't really like think about this kind of stuff. And so I think really the message is to sit down and really kind of plan out, you know, basically from going to this coding boot camp to getting a job, what can possibly come up? Having the mindset of like, not, yeah, this is going to make it more accessible and like what I'm going to gain out of it, but what could go wrong? And this is where like this, this is actually a healthy mindset to have to be able to account for this stuff. And it causes you to read that fine print because you need it. You have to read that fine print and know what can go wrong. So I, I thought yeah. that was great advice. I mean, heck, you know, they're edge cases. Engineers plan for mm -hmm. all of this stuff when they're building, you know, applications. Right. If you're going to be an engineer, plan for these edge cases in, you know, your experience. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's tough because nobody who wants to think about what happens if my mom gets sick, you know, am I going to go be by her side and support her? And, you know, we have one student right now who kudos to him. This one, he's communicating like crazy. I mean, he will message me about once to twice a week to say, hey, you know, here's how my mom's doing. Here's how my dad's doing. And I've been able to do this with, you know, the coding side or the job search. Um, and so what we've done is we've kind of customized a job search for him. So we're going to focus on you know, whether it's part-time jobs until he's gotten the family stuff figured out, we're going to, you know, have him connect him with people who we can start to get, you know, the, the learn from and stuff, but you know, can he do a full-time job search? Probably not right now, but a month from now, two months from now, he probably can. But once again, who wants to think about that kind of stuff? It's, it's not fun. Um, but unfortunately you kind of, you, you need to is, is the big thing. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So what do you think of job guarantees? So I think job guarantees are interesting because if done right, there's there's a lot of the things I really like how job guarantees map out and push you to do what's necessary to find a job. Unfortunately, the reason most people struggle with the job search is because there's so much to do. So if you're looking at most job guarantees, you're looking at a minimum number of applications to submit. You're looking at a minimum number of commits to your GitHub you're looking at. And so you have about typically, I want to say it's about eight and sometimes I've seen even 15 requirements that you have to have that if you don't follow one of those job guarantee lost, and it's not a job guarantee, it's a tuition refund guarantee. Mm -hmm. So if you don't get a job, there's nothing you can do except for ask for your money back, you know, from the boot camp. So while it's a great, you know, um, it's a great tool for creating kind of a game plan for what to do in your job search. As we both know, sometimes people aren't built or they don't have the, the time, the, 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 you know, the, the, they have too much going on in their lives to do all of that stuff. So if you can't do all of it, then a job guarantee doesn't really do anything for you. You know, if, if you're only going to be able to spend two to three hours a day on your job search, 
I'm willing to bet that you're going to, the job guarantee is going to get voided at some point. Um, so just like the ISA, it creates a, it, it, I mean, I guess the ISA provides a little bit more support where like it takes a little pressure off of the finances side, whereas the job guarantee provides a little bit more of like a, a, a map or a blueprint for what you need to do to be successful. But the reason that companies and boot camps can offer that is because they know that if you doing all of those is tough, and if you do it, you're going to be successful. But are you ready to write an article every week? Are you ready to post a video? You know, on, I mean, you are, but is a, is a recent graduate comfortable with that kind of stuff? Um, so I think that, I think that they're, they have value, but you also, once again, have to be realistic with yourself of, am I going to be able to do this? Um, if I don't get a job now, what happens once again, what's this, what's this worst case scenario? So, you know, whatever boot camp you're talking to, if the IS, if the job guarantee becomes void, if I get sick and I can't apply to 50 positions that month, that week, what happens? okay, you guys are going to work with me. Cool. Okay. Like how long do I have to work with you guys? So you, you want to ask these questions because where a lot of these horror stories come up is when people either were told one thing, which that's just wrong. Obviously, if you're being told one thing by the program, something else, that's a whole nother issue. But if you weren't reading the details, you kind of got to look back at yourself and say, what did I miss? And so once again, I think the, the, the responsibility is wholly on the, the boot camp because People are in this position where they want to change their jobs, but sometimes need to change their jobs. So they may not be looking at this stuff, but the boot camps had these experiences. The boot camp has had, let's say, 100 people do uh, start with the job guarantee, and they've had 10 of those people not successfully completed. So what happened with those 10? Because me as a student who's coming through, I want to know what not to do. I also want to know from the boot camp, what are you guys doing to avoid that stuff ever happening again? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of questions. It's a lot of things to keep in mind when you're getting ready to do a boot camp. But, you know, it's this idea of over preparing, over planning. You know, it's like getting ready for an interview. I've never heard somebody finish an interview and say, I over prepared for that. Guess what they say? That went great. Oh, man, that was easy. But more often than not, you hear, man, I wish I'd, I'd spent another hour. Oh, I wish I'd looked into that a little bit more. So, it's a life decision, you know, make sure that you're taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And really like just to keep it incredibly simple, it's just read the fine print. Um, it is on the coding bootcamp to kind of look out for those students, especially when you have students that are really excited and they're focusing on the positives, the life change that's going to happen. They're focusing on that positive outcome. It's very easy. I mean, just think about all these contracts that you sign, just to use the apps that you use. No one reads these long contracts. And so it, in the my South opinion, Park Apple episode, oh, wait, what <laughs> you know, have you seen the South Park episode with Apple and, and they, they keep agreeing to the, uh, the terms of service, not realizing what they're signing up for. It gets a little dark. I haven't seen that. I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, but it, Cartoon Network specifically and just like little episodes pop up on YouTube with Apple. So I, I've, I've probably gotten the gist of it, um, <laughs> but um, I'll definitely have to check that out. And so that's well, just think about that. Like a lot of these agreements are so long and lengthy and we've almost kind of been trained not to read them. And because nothing 
bad has really happened to most people. But when you are signing up for a coding boot camp, it's a very serious decision, especially when you have an income shared agreement, when you have a job guarantee, like you, a lot of people are signing up to these coding boot camps because they're offering that. That's like, it's, it, when you see like an ISA or you see a job guarantee, I want that to just like flick on a light in your mind that maybe you're going to have to read this agreement. This is something that you should actually take seriously. Like, so anytime you see an ISA and job guarantee, just be aware of that and just over prepare. Make sure you are making an informed decision. And there's nothing wrong with asking the coding boot camp about some of the terms. Like you said, what are they doing to make, like, what are they doing to make sure that this doesn't happen? And, you know, what can I do to make sure that this doesn't happen? They don't want you to go through, get screwed and, you know, like just post. And some people will create like Twitter accounts for like months and just completely trash coding boot camps. That's not a good thing for the coding boot camp. And I'm telling you, sometimes you can't even spot those people out. But they once they get angry and get going, um, coding boot camps don't want to tarnish their reputation with that, um, at least pretty much everyone I've reviewed. But yeah, so really, I, I said I want to keep it simple. Just just read the contract and you're going to feel better about it. It's a lot to read, but it's going to make you feel so much more confident about this decision. And it's a big decision. So I'm actually glad we touched on this one specifically because a lot of people want to know about it. And if you want to know more about this, um, let me know because I can do... I've been thinking about doing like series of videos, like specifically focusing on ISAs and we can, we can look at specific contracts. Um, but you know, as always, just let me know in the comments. So I covered everything I wanted to, I think you did a really good job. Um, and it's clear that, you know, a lot about kind of just making the, um, coding bootcamp community, the program really strong and making the, the, people feel welcome and, and supported. I, I think that's like the main thing I, I get from Learning Fuse is you do a really good, good job of making people feel supported throughout the entire journey. And you, we even talk about those situations that come up after you graduate, you know, family gets sick and like you even work around that. Like that's when I think of coding boot camps, I think of career services. Like that's the experience I honestly got at Full Sec Academy. I thought all coding boot camps were like that. Unfortunately, they're not. So, you know, that's what I, when I think of coding boot camps, that's what I really want the industry to be. And so that's why we talk about this. And hopefully, maybe other coding boot camps see this and, and consider it. I don't know. But yeah, I like talking about this. So when you're going to a coding boot camp, and I guess this is just my message, um, the reason why I actually decided to do a video with the Learning Fuse, because my usual videos are just like, just challenging you. Uh, you know, like that's what I did with New Camp specifically. And I decided to do it a little bit different because I, I think having a strong sense of community, uh, cohesion with your cohort, support from career services and staff. Like when I really review all of these coding boot camps, it's such a strong factor in keeping, like you said, that momentum going. It's such a strong factor in giving you that confidence to overcome imposter syndrome and get the support you actually need to go through this, what can be a self-defeating job search and get through it and finally get that first position. So that's why I really wanted to dive into this topic. Um, but yeah, so this is the part um, I'm going to let you make your pitch for Learning Fuse, any any offers you have going on, but feel free to share. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully you know, people who are watching both feel good, you know, and confident about, you know, the fact that doing a boot camp, boot camps are out there to support you. Um, you know, it's not as if we're trying to, you know, start a school and, and then somebody's going to, you know, disappear later on. Um, now, of course, as 
you know, anything grows and changes, the boot camp needs to look back on what are we doing good, what aren't we doing very good, and how can, of course, we improve also to meet the market. So, you know, if, if you're looking, you know, at programs and stuff, I, I once again, I think doing your research is, is step number one. Um, stepping back and asking yourself, do I love to code? When things get tough, am I going to still want to wake up the next day and go back into that, you know, bug that I was working on for four hours yesterday? Because guess what? This is your job. This is what's going to happen for the rest of your career. Um, it's not, unfortunately, it's not like the social network. I mean, God, who knew? Or Mr. Robot. It's not just hacking away all day. Um, so from like the learning fuse perspective, and, and hopefully, you know, some other boot camps have taken this, you know, we've, we've built a, a strong reputation as, you know, a program that cares. And it's one of the things that, you know, the alumni feel comfortable coming back to talk about. It's, you know, they, they understand that when, once again, things get tough in the program or afterwards, they, they know who to, you know, to turn to. Um, and I think that that's something that can really, you know, benefit, you know, just about anybody. Now, does it mean that it's the right fit for everybody? Or are we the only boot camp doing this? Absolutely not. So I think there's a, a ton of value. I think this is a really cool, exciting space to be in. Um, but, you know, taking that extra step to make sure you're doing your research. Um, one of the things we're most excited about right now is we're actually getting ready to uh, launch a data science program. But this has been about two years in the making where our whole thought was, well, we have to find the right instructor. We have to have the right curriculum. Like, we can't just go out and say, oh, you guys have something built. We're just going to buy this from you. And, you know, we'll just fit it into the team. So we, uh, we got lucky. We found somebody who's taught before. Uh, They're a, you know, professional data scientist. And watching him build the curriculum, I'm like, oh, man, I want to go back. And I want to learn data science. Like, I want to dive into Python and machine learning. Oh, but, oh, wait, we've got career services to do. I've got <laughs> this whiteboard over here of students and jobs, you know, <laughs> to try to connect people with. Um, and if anybody wants to, you know, connect and, and even just ask, because one of the things that happens sometimes with us is because we're based in Orange County, you know, if, if people are taking our classes remotely, maybe the time zone doesn't work. So if you're looking at other programs and, and you're trying to decide or something, I mean, feel free to reach out and I'll say here, you know, this is, looks good. This, you know, is something that I might, you know, want to be careful with or here, look, there's five alumni I just found on LinkedIn. You should shoot them, you know, this, this, you know, connection request and message. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about raising the entire industry because we are doing some really, really special stuff. And the disruption of higher education has been needing to happen for a little while. I don't think we're replacing computer science programs, but I do think we're getting traditional education to rethink um, their approach. And it's also more fun to build stuff than to sit in a lecture hall all day. So, you know, Absolutely. let's do more of that, colleges. <laughs> I completely agree. I love it. I think you have a healthy mindset for the coding bootcamp industry. And, you know, even just talking to you, it, it feels like that's also a focus. It's not just building up learning views. It's also just building up the coding bootcamp industry and understanding like why it's even here and, you know, how, how that industry should be serving students. I think that's incredibly important, but TJ stick around for a couple minutes, but seriously, it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. Um, we have tons of, hopefully people find this valuable. I think they're going to, we have definitely went over several topics and, um, you know, like I said, with the ISAs job guarantees, um, please feel free to share your comments below. I want to hear your opinions on that, but TJ, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, Don. This is fun. I'm definitely looking forward to those 
the future deep dives because those uh, those topics are it's like the iceberg. There's so much more underneath uh, the surface. Oh, there is so much more. Just